somehow my daughters fell in love with Formula One. I don't know how or why, but I'm not arguing. They may not know wheel, but does anyone? Hi, and welcome to We Don't Know Wheel F1. I'm Anne. And I'm Grace. We're two sisters who got obsessed with Formula One and decided to make a podcast so we could force our friends and family to listen to us talk about Formula One. And we're so excited today because Formula One is back, baby! Woo! We got a race and we got a good one. If what? Yeah, it was fun. Um, I found it kind of interesting throughout the weekend how like people's expectations and my expectations from preseason testing, like in some ways, totally got met, and in other ways, did not. And so it was fascinating to like see all of the various predictions actually play out. That's fun. What was your biggest prediction that did not get met? Oh. That's a good question. Um, I felt like Ferrari were going to have more to try and stop Red Bull with. Oh, I knew their race pace was going to be bad. Like they were saying it, but I felt like it felt like it was going to be true because it was so true last year. And See, I was like, and they're, they're like, their single lap pace or whatever that's called was already mm-hmm. like not sufficient for the Red Bulls. Then you knew that their biggest issue was tire deg. Mm-hmm. And they were like, and we haven't fixed it. And you're like, oh boy. <laughs> oh See, boy. I was like in the back there. Were, okay. There were two things that were making me still believe in the power of Ferrari. One was that I remember like weeks before the season really started, there were reports that in the simulator, the car was like a second a lap faster. Um, and two is that they, I kept hearing people say like, well, it's possible that Ferrari like hasn't been fully turning their engines up and all sorts of other things well, um, they to were purposely slow them down. They were definitely sandbagging in the free practices, but mm-hmm. once qualifying came out, it was like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon, oh my gosh. When Charles had to DNF, I was like, no, no, no. Why is this happening? I was like, I knew it was a good idea that I didn't put Ferrari on my fantasy team. (laughs) I was like, poor Carlos. (laughs) I know. I mean, Charles. No, Carlos. Carlos finished the race in fourth. He had a yeah, but race. he's on Ferrari, and I worry about him. And you only care about him. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I want Charles to do well because I want Ferrari to do well for Carlos. <laughs> yeah, but I was when when Alonso passed Carlos Sainz, I was like, woo. <laughs> I was so excited. It is going to be so fun to hopefully have the Aston Martins fighting the top three teams all year. Like, week, I feel like in a couple of weeks, if Aston Martin continues to be this fast and this good on a lot of circuits, they it should just be considered like a top four. And then there's the rest of the field. Um, But like, 
having it be Alonzo and Stroll that are the two that have like joined into this top pack, I think it's going to be so much fun because Alonzo is just like, <sighs> you never know what he's going to be able to do and you never know what he's going to say. <laughs> and then Stroll is like, I don't know, I can sometimes find him to be a weirdly entertaining character. And you also never quite know what version of Stroll you're going to get because sometimes he just doesn't really care that much what is, like, how his weekend is going to go, seemingly from the outside. He's a surfer um, at heart. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then some weekends it's like, he just, everything clicks and he's totally got it and you're like, where did that come from? So, no, I think well, I mean, they're going to be great did, entertainment. He did shockingly well, considering he had not been in that car for, what, was he in for the free practices? Yeah, he was. Okay. But, like, two broken wrists, surgery on both, a broken toe. Yeah, incredible. Um, Also, holy moly, the Aston Martin is fast people were saying um, today that like it's the second fastest car behind red bull it definitely feels that way yeah because which, as much as you want to be like charles would have been up there in third which he probably would have been um he was going to go through the same tire deg situation that carlos was going through and Alonzo was charging at the end there. I think the only thing I saw was like that the Aston Martin is not as good at passing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, figure which, it out. like I would be, it'll be interesting to see as the season goes on how much is that like just it, it's some of the ways in which Fernando was like fighting with other cars or passing other cars so entertaining but also looked rather like ah, are they gonna crash any second um and but how almost much is because that Alonso or had, is that because I felt car? like it looked like it was because he had such tight control of his car yeah and so he was just like I can go exactly where I want to go whereas the other cars were like um I'm just trying to get around this corner <laughs> and my tires are gone <laughs> and that was kind of interesting to watch um mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It is really wild. I think we've talked about this a lot. Like, there's so much interesting stuff here about teams with smaller budgets who make them go a lot further. And there's certainly an art to that and an art to make a fast car that also was cheap. Um, it's really, really wild to me that Ferrari, for like, <laughs> I don't know how long, a long time has essentially had an unlimited budget but still was not winning world championships mm -hmm. um and it's interesting to know that they have that spending cap and they're actually affected by it um i guess it's yeah it seems which, like I they're mean, doing better than mercedes is with it which that's wild you wouldn't yeah. suspect that i think they just got lucky in the first year with their arrow yeah i mean they did but, a good job yes um but aston martin used to be racing point for mm -hmm. India, which that was 
the team that was like usually consistently near the top of the midfield and like punch punching way above their weight in terms of the amount of money that was being spent I mean, there's a drive to survive episode um in probably the second season where the entire episode is just about how force india it i mean i think it might be the first season anyways force india is like getting awesome results like p4 in the constructors championship spending very little money compared to McLaren, which was spending a ridiculous amount of money, and that year finished like a P9 in the Constructors' Championship. So let's get into McLaren very quickly. I think my love for Fernando Alonso is well known, <laughs> um, and he's only made me feel like that was worth it. Um, but holy moly, McLaren, what is going on? Poor Oscar Piastri. Wow, wow, wow. Lando Norris, you know. It was interesting Uh, to watch him run and keep trying (laughs) to (laughs) just try out different stuff. Um, But yeah, it seems like they really, what have they been doing for the last five years? Like, what is going on? And how do they end up now with a worse car than they had last year? I don't know. <laughs> um, It was wild. I mean, I guess hopefully they got some good data out of it. Hopefully. It, that seemed rough to watch. Um, good for, good for Lando. And I enjoyed like watching him just play with the car and see what it could do while he was making his million pit stops but also okay to then to bring it to alpine and everything that happened with este esteban ocon holy moly he eventually dnfs because he got what like 20 seconds worth of penalties is that correct yes so uh they're talking about this in the post ratio and so first he was like just barely past the line that he was supposed to stop at for where i saw that video and they show him and they're like look how he's outside and i could see it but then you look across and there was someone else on the other side who was also (laughs) like quite kind of pushing it but you know we only have the videos that they like show us on television um but yeah so that was supposed to be five seconds and then when he was serving his five second penalty um one of the crew members like a tenth of a second before they were the five seconds was up started like touched the car and then um he also was like just barely over the speed limit when entering or exiting the pit um and so it just like all continued to accumulate they just dnf'd at the end to save the engine to save the engine because he didn't have any chances of like yes getting anywhere in the race which was super interesting that they chose to dnf to save the engine in the context of mclaren being like we're gonna just use this as testing time which i guess the mclaren had a lot less testing time Mm -hmm. um pre-season but it was a little nutty like you were just like 
what's going on? And also interesting, because I thought that last season Alpine was very much like, we're, I guess it was at the end of the season, they were like, we're driving these engines down to the bone to like improve reliability. So maybe they feel like they've really got reliability down now and they just want to save for when they can go for points. What do you think of that? I don't know. I don't know. Um, it really felt like the FIA was out for Esteban. I think I, like Will Buxton in the after show was like, that seems rules are rules but what it was it, it really <laughs> felt like it was like is so Esteban the new like, Pierre for the FIA yeah and then Pierre did great I was so excited for Pierre did. yes which like what did he get ninth yeah he got ninth okay. after starting 20th and like yeah. Fernando Alonso winning drive of the day with like 59 percent of the vote completely well deserved he did awesome and like the way that he he had to pass who who all did he pass he, he passed George hamilton. russell he passed hamilton and he passed carlos and him and sign uh him and Sol definitely had like a little wheel to wheel action at the beginning of the race <laughs> yes but um pierre would definitely be my pick for like the next driver of the day um the fact that he was able to start 20th and actually score points and like work his way up to the field and unfortunately I feel like that was hardly shown on the tv at all because they were focusing so much on like Alonzo working his way up through the field I also was watching a two-year-old and a baby so that did not help either (laughs) yeah but I I mean I'm really excited to see how Pierre does I love Pierre Gasly so I hope he does well and I hope he finds like a good fit at Alpine because that feels my dream team was Pierre and Danielle at, <laughs> at Alpine, but nobody listens to my suggestions. <laughs> That's the ultimate Netflix team. What should actually happen is like Netflix should buy a Formula One team and they should they should go halvesies with like the French government on Alpine. <laughs> And then we put Daniel <laughs> and Pierre. Get rid of Esteban. I'm so sorry. Obviously, the FAA is out for him anyways. Let him go. <laughs> and you've got a dream team for winning driver of the day every week. No. <laughs> I feel like it would be much more on brand for Netflix and also for Red Bull. If Red Bull and Netflix were to favor up to own a team. <laughs> I mean, if you think about yes. it, like over the years, Red Bull is, it's like Red Bull and Haas are the two most consistently featured teams, which also Red Bull is the team that will like, they make some interesting and drama worthy decisions. <laughs> I was also very excited for Alex Albon. Um, yeah yeah he he did would he end up in 10th 10th yeah points for williams yeah points for williams none of the rookies scored points which was a little sad yeah yeah but i feel like um i was i think everyone was surprised the williams did as well as it did and then the haas really showed it did not have race pace today oofda yes yeah, no, that was rough, um, which I feel like I've been hearing talk from commentators that, like, 
So last year, Alfa Romeo and Haas both started really strong, and then they just like slowly slipped back through the season. And people had been kind of guessing that that same type of thing might happen this year, and it did not at all. Well, it's so interesting to me the way that Haas will put like, you know, well, I don't know, like obviously they have a very limited budget, but it seems like they spend all their money on development before the season starts and then nothing to keep up to develop the car during the season. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, even when they do well at the beginning, they can never carry it through. And I do feel like that's a bummer, especially this season, because I feel like Magnuson and Hulkenberg are like their two best bets for like fairly stable drivers. I feel like Magnuson has gotten more stable. Hulkenberg has always been kind of like a stable driver for points. Yeah. And so like, what are they doing? (laughs) And then, oh my gosh. The after race shows with Fred Vasseur, that was interesting as well. Cause I feel like a complaint of Benotto was always that he was just like, we're doing pretty well. We're doing second. We were not even close to second last year. And Fred's just like, we are trying our best. We are doing better than we thought we would. And you're like, wait, I thought you guys were supposed to be competing for the championship. <laughs> is it like you get hired by ferrari and you give up they like they take your will to win from you what happens Anne? i don't know but i feel like ferrari is cursed with their adoring italian public always has the expectation that they will every single year fight for and win the championship well (laughs) without having realistic expectations as to what their car can do they're building the car <laughs> what do you mean realistic expectations they built the freaking car you think they could fight for the front they're building the car they have like the oldest team on the grid they have some of the most money on the grid they're you know they're pulling the best people because people want to work for ferrari and then why can't they make a good car it really feels like one of those situations where you're like there's the culture is bad for like actually getting better do you think they really are pulling the best people for like behind the scenes i don't building know. and designing the car they got fred i mean it's I guess I only think of it from like the perspective of like maybe they leave after a while, but I assume it like being the brand name Ferrari allows you to hire the best people. It allows you to get the like world championship winners to come to your team because they want to make Ferrari a winning team. Okay, and- but can you tell me the name of Red Bull's like chief technical officer or chief designer? Yeah. Who is it? It's Adrian Newey. Can you tell me it for Ferrari? No. Well, I know it was Benotto. (laughs) 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 I know that he was like their chief engineer before he was their team principal. Can you tell me? Can you tell me the name of Mercedes head of strategy? I feel like you're really calling me out here. Old head of strategy. James something. That was, yeah. Yeah. Can you tell me that for Ferrari? 
actually <laughs> i have definitely read the name of the head of their strategy team but i do not know i it. read the name of the person who was demoted back to the factory <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i think my point is that like i don't feel like i hear of that many famous people or people who are like oh my gosh this is the best yeah. person in this okay. job like they're not recruiting that's fair yeah. and I think there's and maybe and maybe my perception of that is like the reason that they don't have those people is not because those people wouldn't come work for Ferrari but because Ferrari has its own like bad internal politics that prohibit them from hiring the person who's act like you know not actual prohibited but like that keeps them from hiring the best people and instead has them hiring like the person who's supposed to get the job because they worked here for years and years or whatever you know Ferrari is its own ecosystem all of this is alleged it's not even allegedly this is all me making stuff up that just feels like it should be true Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) but you'd think the Ferrari fans would be out here like we've got to hire the best what are we doing and I think that's what it was like before Bonotto where he tried to establish a like no blame culture where they don't fire people because they make one mistake that's fair but you should also try to hire the best people and you also need to it's I I personally on a like business level I'm QI girl I'm totally here for just culture. Don't blame like the problem on a person. Try to find the solution why it wasn't working. But you still have to try to find the problem and and try to find a workable solution. And I feel like they just got to the like, make the culture a little bit better. So we don't blame people when things go wrong. But then they didn't figure out the like, how do you make it better? Because like their strategy was bad all last year. So what do you do to make it better? Agreed. Yeah, see, I'm coming from a school where uh, a principal who has recently left, I created, and I don't think he like tried to do this at all, but it just ended up happening because of his leadership, created a situation where teachers never really felt any pressure to do their jobs well. Or if they were struggling, like they would be usually given support, but like if things didn't improve, they weren't under pressure of like, we might not continue to keep you at the school, even if you don't have tenure, we'll just keep you around and give you tenure. And it's created a like toxic environment at the school. And so like, not having some sort of pressure to perform to a certain standard is not healthy for any type of workplace. Well, I assume that if you work at Ferrari, there's a lot of pressure, even if it's not internal, because the fans (laughs) provide plenty of pressure. So I think there was room for Bonotto's plan to be like, we need to make this a better, like, friendly environment. I'm just saying, like, 
you still need to investigate the root cause of the issue and try and fix it. And obviously that's not a perfect system, or at least Mercedes is not doing that as well as they kind of proposed they had been. And we talked about this last time, but like, yeah, Mercedes seems like, I guess they're certainly better than they were at the beginning of last season, but they're also definitely not as improved as you would expect for a car and a team that's so intensely committed to being the best that seemingly has two very very skilled drivers yes which I think the thing that's surprising me most about for Mercedes right now is that they haven't made the decision to kind of abandon the concept that hasn't been working that well why are they still using the beginning of last year yeah because the car looks very similar in the arrow to the last car and I'm really confused by that and it also seems like besides the porpoising, it's continuing to have a decent amount of the same issues. Yeah, no. So I don't I don't quite understand that. They still look like they're bouncing around so much, a lot of the drivers. And at one yeah. point, did Carlos say something where he was like, why am I bouncing so much? And I missed that. I think it was. Was it during the race today? It was during the race. <laughs> Again, two-year-old baby as something to watch. So I think, and I think <laughs> that it was like when, when Fernando was like getting close to passing him and he was saying it was like during their straight line speed. I could be completely misremembering that, but yeah. Um, interesting. And then, okay, let's talk very briefly about um, Alfa Romeo steak. <laughs> what um, you think i felt like they like did fine didn't make that much of an impact like yeah. valtteri got eighth awesome joe um, got fastest lap jokon you got fastest lap yeah at the I very mean, end he pitted for softs and he got fastest lap was he even in the points or was it just a, like taking away from anybody else in the points i don't think he was in the points no way that's fun yeah Um, but I think it definitely is like and I think he had done that last year too let me look it up now because now I'm really doubting myself I had I do remember seeing that um Pierre had had fastest lap for a long time he did and then at the very last second um Joe got fastest lap yeah he was in 16th I was slightly surprised they didn't pit Checo. He got fastest lap. With a lap to go. Yeah, they had. Because there was like 27 seconds between him and Fernando. There were 11. No, yeah, you're right. 38 seconds at the end. No, I'm reading this wrong. Don't listen to me. (laughs) (laughs) It was about 12 seconds between Max to Checo. Yeah, and then it was... like. 27 27 ish between Mm -hmm. Perez and Alonso. Well, maybe they were like, Alonso is a scary guy, don't (laughs) risk it. (laughs) Obviously, Ferrari did not think that last year. (laughs) Maybe they were like, We're already bragging enough about our extremely fast and race like sufficient car, so we shouldn't go for the fastest lap. Maybe they didn't want to show everything they had by getting the fastest lap. Maybe they didn't want to let Checo get that extra point because it would, like, tighten the gap between him and Max. 
Who knows? Who knows? Maybe they should have let Checo actually win and had Max pit for fastest lap. <laughs> and that Max could be, would have got along with that? Yeah. That could have been the way that Max apologized for the entire Brazil situation. Because <laughs> Max wouldn't give up sixth place, but he would a race win. Yeah. Well, also, like, with all of the, like, <laughs> with all of the superstition about how winning is bad luck. Yeah, that's fair. That's so fair. So maybe he would have given it up. Which either we're going to be in for a really interesting season where we have a different winner for the first time in two years for the whole season or max is going to destroy that stat yeah and i i am tempted to think that red bull is going to dominate this season and it's going to get a little bit boring um but it also feels like that's um maybe something to be expected with like if you're really good at new regulation changes, then subsequent years, you're going to be able to be way more competitive. And although they're trying to like decrease that, that lead that those bigger, the top teams can pull away with by decreasing like their arrow time, it seems like the, like the decrease in arrow time. And do they get a decrease in their budget cap too uh no just okay arrow time is it really just arrow time um i think it's yeah it's it doesn't seem like it was sufficient enough and like <laughs> it's gonna take a few more years for it to really show um yeah. but it's not just arrow it's like other things that they like have a limited amount of time for car development yeah the lower teams get more mm-hmm so it doesn't seem like, and it also seems like the penalties they got for breaking the budget cap were like, didn't do anything. I think it's They're... going to take more time to actually show that's the case, because I think that like Red Bull last year arguably had the, okay. the best package to start out. They had with. the best package overall. Not necessarily like one lap speed, but that wasn't that important as important well, with this generation and, of cars because it's so much easier to pass with this generation of cars compared to the previous generation. But I mean, with the like getting it right when you start a new set of regulations and then just becoming dumb, like, that's exactly what happened with Red Bull in 2010 and then Mercedes in 2014. Yes. And this, yes. this might be it for Red Bull again. Yes. And I think that's the bigger question is like, to me, that gets a little bit boring. And how can you make it fair, but also interesting between years? Because obviously, it's like too big of an ask to have them like completely change the regs every year. That's craziness. (laughs) Um, But there is got to be something about like, yeah, it's a little shocking that Mercedes is still like completely helpless. Yeah. Mom is already thoroughly annoyed that Red Bull is doing this well. <laughs> Not happy for Aston Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Mom and dad are both like thoroughly Haas fans. So they they were not enjoying today. They were very disappointed today. 
<laughs> and they had been so happy after qualifying with Hulkenberg. He was in the top 10. I think he got like yeah, eight in qualifying. He was, yeah. I thought he had this. Yeah. But also, like, uh, yeah. I mean, Alpine. I thought Alpine was going to do better, <laughs> to be honest. I was like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> but I guess that was like, Akon had issues that were unrelated to the car and then Gasly actually did really well so maybe I should keep my hopes up which also like I mean realistic expectations for Alpine would now be fifth in the constructors championship because yeah because they're not going to compete with Aston Martin yeah but they might compete with Mercedes (laughs) (laughs) I think it is I think it now like for this race should for this race for sure should be considered like a top four there are four top teams um again who knows if that's really going to continue to hold true in the future but if that's the case then the best any other team could hope for is fifth out of the 10 teams yeah which like i'm i'm so hopeful that this is like a like kimmy at lotus or like i don't know i just want to see aston martin like dominate even though i don't like lauren straw i'm i'm pretty pumped i'm excited just for the shake-up it's gonna be such good entertainment which I also feel like if Fernando hadn't like gotten a podium and had this result and like also worked his way through some of the cars to get there it would not have been that interesting of a race yeah okay here's an here's a new team combo um Nick DeVries and Yuki. I was surprised that Yuki did better than Nick. Yeah, Yuki pulled it out. He did good. Nick also looked like quite good considering. Oh yeah, he um, was solid. Yeah. And well, I had to listen to Logan Sargent on television and that really bummed me out. <laughs> like, it is like jarring hearing through an American, American accent, accent amongst the drivers. Like, it doesn't even have the like classic Californication of like most American accents. It's like it's a Florida Tennessee. Accent. Yeah, it's like Southern. I was yeah. like, this is worse than Lance Stroll. This is worse <laughs> than <laughs> because Lance Stroll like has a little bit of the like Canadian. He's got a billionaire's accent. <laughs> <laughs> maybe because we're minnesotan lance stroll's canadianness sounds more yeah. natural to us it sounds completely natural i was listening to a thing about accents <laughs> today and they were talking about how canadian accents are distinct from american accents because they go up at the end like at the end of a sentence or a statement it's always a question mm-hmm. like and it's um it's a very like polite thing because it implies like I'm done. You can talk now. (laughs) (laughs) Which is such a Minnesotan thing, too. Yeah, I was like, how close are Minnesotan and Canadian accents? I feel like they're very close. Very. We don't say (laughs) A as much, but we... uh... No, and we say garage differently. We say, like, garage. (laughs) I don't know. what I I feel like the Canadian YouTubers I follow, they're saying garage in a way that I cannot replicate the garage I don't I don't know where they're putting the accent <laughs> we'll have to ask Lance Stroll sometime perfect he'll be like what's a garage no just kidding <laughs> he, he's a car boy of course he 
he knows what a garage is garage <laughs> yeah he's got one that can hold 40 cars at his house is that true Anne? no i'm making that up but it might be <laughs> i so mean it's a billionaire is this it a billionaire yeah there's not i mean i guess i'm not familiar with how many billionaires there are in the world but i feel like not that many I'm I was like, thinking, let's talk about the Lance and Lawrence stroll of it all for one second. Lance is not an only child. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Two. Yes, he posted something about like happy birthday to his sister today, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to look up the uh, net worth of Lawrence stroll. Lawrence stroll. Um. Also, it's really really fascinating to me how much they like really will zoom in on Lawrence like on drive to survive but also in like other f1 like media like Lawrence is there um and you'd kind of think that he'd want to be more in the background but he's just like hello I'm here well and don't you take my picture who cares about Lance (laughs) the year of the like pink Mercedes uh they showed on drive to survive when he put out a video where he was like defending racing point after they had like been giving a ruling by the FIA that they had like gotten information on something from Mercedes that they weren't supposed to have done. He starts to say statement by saying like, I do not often speak publicly. Which is like a lie. And well, I mean, to be fair, there's a difference between making public statements and just like being out and about where media are. Okay, but like on the Beyond the Dr- Grid podcast, it's not Lance who has an episode; it's Lawrence. <laughs> I've not listened to that. <laughs> yeah, Does Lance I have. really not have an episode on there. He might, but Lawrence certainly has one. <laughs> I think I was like looking for a Lance episode, and I. I was like and I turned it on and I was like this is not Lance it's Lawrence I would be very <laughs> interested to hear a Lance stroll episode of Beyond the Grid yeah I want to know more about Lance but they keep trying to feed me Lawrence <laughs> I don't care about that old guy <laughs> oh, I did look up he's worth 2.9 billion dollars the billionaires are like that's not even that many billions <laughs> should I look up how many billionaires there are in the world yeah tell us how many billionaires there are But yeah, Lawrence is everywhere. It's super interesting in the, at least in the context of like many of these guys, their dads are rich. They definitely help them get to Formula One. Their dads are racers or they're past Formula One racers. And you don't see nearly as much of them as you see of Lawrence, I would say. There are a lot of billionaires in the world. Um, Oh no. (laughs) The first website I looked up, the first website I saw when I looked it up, said that uh, it was listing them by like the number per country oh my gosh um which the u.s has the highest and then uh not good for us (laughs) um the next site said like over 2000 2000 is really not that many but that does seem like an awful lot of money right Seems like the world is ripe for revolution. (laughs) 
a band from real one races. <laughs> but Bernie Sanders would be so proud. You have to be a true capitalist <laughs> to see the cars race. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think I thought overall it was good. I'm a little bummed about the in- the amount of dominance it seems like Red Bull's gonna have. But overall, I think it's going to end up being like an interesting midfield second and third mm-hmm. season. I Yeah, I, over the winter break, went back and watched most of the 2020 season because that's my favorite season of Drive to Survive. And that season, Mercedes, just like almost every race, was like dominant one two and the only question for who was going to win was was Valtteri going to have anything to try and stop Lewis from winning another race or would Red Bull possibly try something interesting with Max's strategy but the midfield that year was so so good because behind those three you had Racing Point, Alpine, McLaren all like vying for podiums at whenever one of those top three drivers didn't perform for any reason um and there were two podiums where there was not a red bull and not a mercedes and not a ferrari which like it's a great season so i don't say this as someone who loves checo and therefore supports red bull I think that Red Bull being really dominant could make for a really interesting midfield. Yeah, I think so. you're. I think well, you're right. I think I'm sad as a Ferrari fan, excited as a Fernando fair. fan. So excited. Yeah, very excited as a Fernando fan. It was like, yeah, I'm upset as a Ferrari fan about Charles's DNF, but then I was like. Fernando Alonso's gonna get a podium. We are gonna have to have Sarah on the podcast wearing her Fernando Alonso shirt. I know. I want to borrow it when we go to Europe. Now I'm like, yeah. I'm gonna need to borrow the Fernando shirt, please. <laughs> <laughs> she might be willing to just give it to you because she she's not a Fernando fan yes but she's not and dad gave it to her when she was living in Barcelona for a few months and uh I think she wore it because she thought it looked kind of cool now that she knows anything about Fernando doesn't like him at all I do not I do not accept this man (laughs) yeah I'm also very excited to see how things shake out between Lance and Fernando. Yeah, it seems all very like happy families over at Aston Martin, which I mean, they've got to first of all, just be all really happy that they have gotten the regulations so right and gotten their car so right right now. Um, But it will be interesting to, yes, watch (laughs) Fernando's relationship with Aston Martin continue. What's the name? Well, Lawrence has known Fernando for like quite a long time. Yeah. Yes. This was this came up in the Lawrence Troll podcast. (laughs) So you did continue listening to it. Oh, I listened to the whole thing, Anne. How can you not? It's so fascinating. 
Um, so they've known each other for quite a while. And, oh, but did you see, what's his name? The guy who makes the, like, parody videos of the Formula One drivers? Connor? Connor Moore. Yeah, Connor Moore. Just put one out. I think it was after, like, it, I watched it last night, I think. But I it was. I've seen it. I can't believe you didn't put it in the group chat. Sorry. I think it's because I watched it on my television. It was a YouTube <laughs> video, but I watched it on my TV. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but he did one with Aston Martin, and he made a joke in there that Lawrence. Um, wanted to call Fernando's son and Fernando asked if he could call Lawrence dad (laughs) (laughs) oh okay here's my last hot take um I loved seeing the social media of Kevin Magnuson's daughter in the oh my gosh and it made me be like we need more kids in the pits we need these drivers to be out there getting pregnant getting people pregnant so we can more kids in the pit lane they're all too serious and focused on winning races (laughs) contraception is too easy to get these days i'm just kidding obviously she is really cute yeah it was just taking me back to like mick and max like being kiddos when their dads were racing and that was like then i was like why aren't there more drivers with kids these days the pressures are too high on the formula one drivers I sent you guys some of the videos that came out of like Checo carding with his son that's winter right that's true and I really yes and Checo's got kids so I'm but yeah oh my gosh wait okay sorry one more thing the way the commentators in the race that I was watching the race I was watching um were kept talking about Fernando and Lewis Hamilton's age I was like you guys this is mean (laughs) i know it's meant to be like wow he's fast 41 years old and behind the second oldest driver on the grid and you were just like okay we get it they're old we all know they're (laughs) old we love it we don't have to say it like 15 times we can just be like he's 41 which it is fascinating how our perception of age changes so much based off of different circumstances we're like in the normal world 41 would not be considered that old at all but in formula one you're like how is this person still have reflexes good enough to drive this car how Um, is fernando alondo 41 and still so good it's incredible you can tell it's his passion and that's why he's fun to watch we're like what he does on his days off is he goes to the private go-karting crack that he owns (laughs) But um, I think that's part of what is so exciting about Aston Martin being good, this good this year is that Fernando Alonso has been in the sport for so long and he's made so many <laughs> decisions in terms of like what teams he's moving to that have not ended up paying off. The fact that it's finally paying off again when he's 41 years old makes it just that much more fun. Yeah, it's definitely fun. I've seen a few people be like, poor Seb. And I'm like, I really don't feel bad for Seb. I feel like he wanted to take a break and we should all take a, you know, like how I'm already like, he's just taking a break. (laughs) 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 But yeah, like I'm, it's very obvious that Fernando has the drive to try to win another (laughs) world championship. (laughs) And if Seb had wanted to continue racing, like, 
as we could as have. Martin would have completely want, wanted to keep him. Yeah. Seb is the one who wanted to go be a dad. And yeah. good for him. Yeah. Fernando's like, my kids are, are my cars. <laughs> my cars are my kids. And Seb realizes there are things that are in life more important than formula. Well, everyone has their own values and it's good to know what's important <laughs> to you. And what's yes. you know, like I don't I don't uh blame Fernando for his love of I love that. Have you seen that video? It's I think from back when Fernando, maybe it's right when he's leaving McLaren the second time, like when he was there with Stoffel Van Dorn. Mm-hmm. And they're asking like if he'll still be involved with Formula One and he's like I will always be in and he's sitting next to Lewis Hamilton and he says I'll always be involved with Formula One maybe as a dad maybe as a father maybe as an FIA boss and Lewis Hamilton is like no no <laughs> and he's like, okay not an FIA boss and Lewis is like at least not while I'm here <laughs> that is incredible but I mean, that seems true. Like, it feels like Fernando is like, I'm never going to leave this because he enjoys it. Okay, random question, but Seb was one of the GPDA presidents. Is he still doing that with George Russell or are they going to pick someone else? Or have they, like, said that yet? I can't remember. I feel like I read about this and maybe he only, like, maybe he can zoom in. I don't know. <laughs> um, writers, listeners, <laughs> listeners, write us at we don't know wheel f one at gmail.com and let us know, will Sebastian Vettel be continuing on as the, what is GPDA. it called? The Grand Prix Drivers Association. Don't come for us for not knowing that. I feel like that's obscure knowledge. So I'll try and do some research. Happy to learn. And if we find out, we'll let you know. But if you know, you could also write us. Write us, leave us reviews, like, star, subscribe, listen. Do you know (laughs) listen to us talk? Do you know who was the president was said before George? Roman. Yeah. Did you hear? Dad was so excited yesterday. I that's why they had to make the driver debriefs private because Roman was getting so much public hate. <laughs> I'm serious, Anne. Of course I know this. <laughs> that's not obscure. That's common knowledge. Sure, Grace. But dad was so excited that Roman was on pole at St. Pete's for yeah. IndyCar. I don't know what happened in his race. He crashed out. He got crashed into yeah. by somebody else when, like, they would been the two had been fighting for the lead. But isn't Marcus Armstrong or... to get crashed into? <laughs> Marcus Erickson won, though. Wow, former F1 driver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just go to IndyCar. <laughs> okay, I think that might be everything I have to say on this week's topics, Anne. Yeah. Saudi is that next week? I need it's to actually two weeks, I believe. The schedule. Ooh, should we do our interview with Dad next week then? We could consider. <laughs> we'll talk to Dad. See what he says. Okay, but thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to We Don't Know Wheel F One. We like, really don't know Wheel. Comments, like, subscribe, comment, tell your friends, and. Yeah.
Have a great week. Thanks for listening. Bye.